How do you keep a young workforce motivated when your business, in this case, pest control, might not be everyone's first job choice? Tune in to hear some powerful advice from Mitch Watkins, who is the Chief Experience Officer at GreenX. You are listening to Season 2 of Frontline Medic Podcast with your host, Suzanne Exerson, here to give you the inspirational stories, insights, and tools on how you can make every customer experience awesome. My name is Mitch Watkins. I'm the Chief Experience Officer at Greenix Pest Control. I've been with the company three and a half years, and in Greenix years, that's a long time. At peak staffing, we had 180 employees, including myself and my organization. So we've seen tremendous growth over the last three years. So on a day-to-day basis, what does it mean to be the Chief Experience Officer? Yeah, so it's really twofold. I'm responsible for the strategic vision and direction of the customer experience for the company. Partnering with our ops team and marketing is is a big part of what I do to refine and make sure that customer experience is great. And then the other half is leadership and management of the internal operations. So all the contact centers, solution centers, and inside sales roll up through me. So any touch point with the customer that isn't door-to-door sales or field operations rolls through my organization. Do you have any daily habits that you follow? It could be work-wise, but it could also be on, on privately that you really sets you up for success for the day. I do. I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss and he talks about like really crafting your morning routine. I spend some personal development time on my own. So that might be list, like listening to a podcast, journaling, reading. I've prioritized what's important to me personally. Jim Rome once said, work harder at yourself than you do at your job. And I try to follow that. And then once I get into work, I picked this habit up for the VP. He was the VP of sales at the time, but back at my other job at Vivint, Scott Hardy, he would calendar his day, print it off and put it on a clipboard and carry it around. And so he had place for notes and he kept track of his day at all his meetings and everything he needed to get done on his calendar. You knew when your meeting was almost done because he would scratch out that appointment slot on his his clipboard. (laughs) So I do that. I'll calendar my day for the meetings I need to do, but most importantly for my quad two activities. So this is like my not urgent, important stuff that moves the business forward and improves the KPIs or improves the customer experience, what have you. It's the stuff that I'm not being acted upon, but I have to choose and carve out time to get it done. I always say anybody that's in a call center, you have to listen to calls every day. So I always have an hour every single day that I listen to calls. Um, And every manager and team lead and supervisor and director beneath me does the same thing. And then I have some big, like big picture projects that I'm working on. I'm gonna carve out time to work on those every day. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, everybody falls into that trap of just reacting to the urgent, particularly in the contact center when it's so busy, so many people with questions, it's easy just to turn into firefighter mode. And so to like really stay productive and move the business forward, for me, I had to schedule that time out. And that's probably been the biggest thing for me to that's improved my yeah that's a really good uh, tip so basically if you really want to get something done you need to schedule it in even though you know if it's a task that is more you know strategic you should schedule time for that if it's a task that is more hands-on you should schedule time for that as well like you schedule time for lunch or whatever that's right i do yeah (laughs) 
I didn't schedule my lunch today and I didn't take one. <laughs> <laughs> See, falls out right. as soon as you don't do it. <laughs> On Greenex uh, website, you say that you truly care about your customers when it comes to delivering great customer experience. I'm a bit curious to know how does that manifest itself on the habits and the culture of the business? It's one of those things where if you ask any pest control company what sets them apart, like 99 out of 100 are going to say great customer service. And so it's one of those things that everybody believes they're good at and so few people actually are. And so I think we do a good job of self-confronting and truly saying, are we doing a good job? But tactically, there's some things we've built into our process. Every appointment, every single time, we call it our five-point service plan. And a lot of companies do a mix of these. Like we sweep the eaves for cobwebs and we dust cracks and crevices with our powder. We spray a six-foot barrier and we granulate. And a lot of people do a mix of those. We do all four of them. But our final one, which makes such a big difference, is we train, report, track, and active service. Our service professional will go out there and they'll look for some place that they can help. They'll wind up the hose, they'll pull the can up from the street, and they'll take a selfie in front of the house, text it to the customer, let them know they're there. Something else, you say, put your money where your mouth is. Um, we use top quality products. There are a lot of cheaper products out there. And then we use like the max legal mix rates. So we have a really high efficacy with the products we use, which does a couple things like the net result of less bugs for the customer, which is huge. But also we have like industry leading reservice rates, meaning customers don't have to call in to have us come back in between our scheduled appointments. And I, I think that's a big deal. Jeff Bezos says that anytime a customer has to call you, you've screwed up. And so I'm always trying to find ways to minimize the, the number of times that our customers actually need to reach out to us. And anytime we can be proactive, that makes a big difference. So we spend more money than all our competitors on the actual products we apply in the home, which I think speaks to our ethos of putting our money where our mouth is. We care about our people. We try to be a great training organization and really pour into them. Then the other thing, at least in my organization, that's it's holding people accountable to that high standard and expectation. We also do this thing called a plus one on our phone calls. And it, it's like the act of service in, for our field professionals. We try to find that one extra thing we can weave in. Like we love trying to get the names of our customers' pets because then we'll make it uh, yeah. an account. And so <laughs> next time great. they call in, we can be like, hey, Mrs. Johnson, how's Doc? Dottie doing right and they love that I love that I'm a dog person <laughs> if somebody remembered Ollie and asked me about how Ollie's doing like I'm going to be stoked those are some of like the habits as an organization we have to drive that ethos of taking care of people that's small things that makes a huge um, impact and also change the way that the customers experience your your brand and your services that's right so how do you build a strong relationship uh, with your team, but also with your customers? You mentioned remembering the dog's name, but when it comes to the team, how is that formed there? One of the things I like to do is I'll do a meet and greet with every single contact center employee, like as best as I can. They'll start on a Monday and then Friday morning or afternoon, like I'll bring in that training cast in groups of like three to five. And so if it's a big training class, I'm going to break it up into three or four groups. 
because I want it to feel intimate. 98% of my frontline contributors are Gen Z. So it's a young group, right? We get a lot of college students, which is super fun because they're high energy, very smart, and they have goals and ambitions and they want to be something when they grow up and they're studying something. And so we have a really fun demographic of people we work with. I try to get to know them and create that emotional connection. The other thing, there's a book called Leadership and Self-Deception getting out of the box that myself and my leadership team are leading right now. And it talks about this litmus test of if you're treating people like objects or treating people like people. And one of the litmus tests is if you remember their name. So I try to remember everybody's name. Every contributor, every frontline employee meets with their manager or supervisor every single week for 30 minutes, no matter what. And we just make that time sacred. It doesn't matter how many calls are in queue. You always do that. And it's so important, especially like customer service jobs, customer retention jobs, they get a lot of emotional abuse. So that time becomes an oasis in the desert for them. They can step off the floor, disengage, have a safe spot to visit. Sometimes you're just there to listen. Just listen and be a friend. You can cover numbers and metrics next week. Sometimes what that agent needs in that moment is just a friend and a sounding board, and that's fine. How do you get your team to see their potential and encourage them to perform? Yeah, that's a great question. And probably like one of my favorites, right? The demographic of people I work with is very young. They're early in their careers. They're, a lot of them are attending school, university, college, and have ambitions to be something other than a customer service agent at a regional pest control company. That wasn't their dream job. And I totally get that. So we have tried to create the experience of this as a stepping stone to whatever you want to do next. And this is what I try to train my leaders to do is to tie the skills of what they're doing today to what they want to be tomorrow. Like for instance, the if the difference between a developer and the chief you know, technology officer, the CTO of a company, what's the difference between those two people? Oftentimes, the developer has more technical skill than the CTO, but the CTO is a great leader and a great communicator. That's the difference. And so I try to explain to these people, the number one best place to learn how to be a great communicator is on the phones in a call center. Because they say what, like 60% of communication is nonverbal, right? Like you're down to 40% of your toolbox. And if you can be a great communicator on the phone, like you can be a great communicator in any situation. And so it doesn't matter if you want to be an accountant, an orthodontist, a surgeon, like the difference between a good doctor and a bad doctor is bedside manner, right? Like it's communication and there's no better environment to learn great communication skills than on the phone. And so it's trying to take what are their dreams and ambitions and show them how it matters today. The other piece that I'll say is that I always talk about how success is a habit and doing your best is a habit, right? Like the type of call center agents, frontline employee you are today is the type of doctor you're gonna be. You're not a C minus call center agent and then become an A plus doctor. You don't just turn it on all of a sudden when you like, graduate from medical school. Like it's a habit of doing your best. And there's two things. You're going to learn a valuable skill that'll serve you the rest of your life. And if you do your best here, you're going to do the best in the other parts of your life that really matter to you. And so that's the direction I go. That's part of our leadership development with my leaders. 
that's part of their one-on-ones is to reiterate that weekly to really tie that back to their performance and why they should care and then we do a lot of trainings that aren't related like i try to do at least once a quarter and if not more frequently i'll bring in a speaker or i'll have another member of our executive team come in and train on something that's not related to their job we'll do like financial education or like how to start a business or something that's just not related to being a good Greenix employee because we want them to know that we care about them as a person and we want them to be a happier, healthier person for having worked at Greenix and that whatever they do in the future, that their time at Greenix was a blessing to them. And so I think we do those things really well as a way to just like connect with our employees and help them want to do their very best at their job in a job that sometimes feels emotionally abusive and repetitive and boring, right? Like it's a hard job. And I'm like, there's a reason that call centers generally have pretty high turnover because it's tough work. And so our job as leaders is to help them see the benefits of what they're doing and to feel cared about and supported. It's so cliche, but it's so true. People don't care how much you didn't know until they know how much you care. And you see these people really bloom and thrive in environments that they had no intention of being in for long-term because you were able to have an impact on their life. I love pointing out when people are doing a great job and we do have a real process we follow when we give feedback to people. We always do a three to one. So three things that you did really well one area of opportunity to improve in. And we usually have the employee do it for themselves and then the supervisor do it for the employee. And that does a couple things. It really helps that employee, that contributor gain confidence when they're like, yes, I had great empathy on that call. I took great ownership of that call and I was able to do, to really make that customer feel like I cared about them as an individual. And then when the supervisor was like, yeah, I agree. You did those, you did have great empathy. You took great ownership and you really made that customer feel like we cared about them as an individual. It validates them and gives them confidence that they're doing it the right way. And then that's going to give them confidence on their next phone call. They're going to be more confident more empathetic. They're going to believe in themselves. They're going to do a better job. And the fact of the matter is, if you give somebody five, 10 things to work on, they're going to work on nothing because they're overwhelmed. But if you give them one area, particularly if they call it out, and for the years and years I've done this method of delivering feedback, nine times out of 10, the agent will call out exactly what I was going to. So instead of you're teaching somebody to fish, instead of giving them a fish, and then you can just validate them more. But that's exactly what I was going to say. It's so smart of you to call that out. Like you're totally right. And that buoys them up and they're more confident. And all the white papers and studies people have done of what people want when they call in a, a customer service call center, they want two things. That's it. They want somebody to open the answer the phone quickly. And they want to talk to somebody competent. And so often competency is just confidence. And so yeah. when we use this way to give feedback, it really helps those in, those frontline contributors to be confident. I know you're really passionate for coaching your leading teams. Yeah. So what else, what kind of tools do you do to empower your people so that you build a strong team? So we'll go over the KPIs and metrics that we're focusing on. Then we'll listen to a call break it down together what and and we evaluate that call and we evaluate the performance in the three to one so we do you have the agent do three things they did one thing they'd like to improve on next time and then we do like a commitment 
So say, okay, here's the thing you want to improve on. And then they'll role play the skill. So role playing is super big. We do the role playing at the contributor level training at our leadership level. We'll role play how to do one-on-ones. We'll role play how to terminate somebody. We'll role play how to, you know, run a team meeting, that type of thing. We're big on role playing. So you'll role play the skill you want to see the agent implement. And then you'll say, will you do this? on every single call this week and they'll say yes and they go back they take phone calls and then within the next day or two you need to do just a one minute check-in of hey john i listened to your call you're doing what we talked about great work or hey john listen to your call you're not doing it where's the disconnect and you just have a quick follow-up and that's our playbook for one-on-ones and it's really effective but i also think something that's super important is you have to hold yourself accountable as a leader. Like it starts with you. If your team's doing great, it's probably because you're doing a great job as a leader. If they're not doing great, it's probably because you're doing a bad job as a leader. You have to leave by example. It's this growth mindset of always wanting to learn, always improving. That's awesome. So how do you recognize achievements? Yeah, so we have a few programs. So we do a lunch every Friday for top performers. So we have a little certificate that people hang up on their cubicle. So if you earn a medallion over the course of the week, you come do a lunch. And then we have like hats and shirts and backpacks and canoes. And like the prizes get bigger, the higher up you go. Yeah. Um, And each manager gets to establish what those benchmarks are for the team. So they're highly specific to the individual contributor just trying to create that culture of hey we we are phenomenal on the phones and we do deliver a great service to people right and do you have a coach that you live by i don't know if you've ever heard of his motivational speaker he's passed away but he's from the south a great accent he's a motivational speaker sales trainer guy and i've read a lot of his books one thing he says is you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help other people get what they want. And I love that because I believe we're here to serve each other. And I think that creates a mindset of abundance, right? If you have this scarcity mindset that I need to take, so nobody else takes from me, that's not how I want to live. I want to have an abundant mindset. And if I can serve and help other people, it's going to open up doors for me down the road. Yeah, amazing. That's amazing. Great attitude. And I think that just shows your empathy as well, that you're a very empathic leader. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. Thank you for listening to another episode of Frontline Magic Podcast with your host, Susanne Axelsson. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at susanne at frontlinemagic.org with any feedback or thoughts that you would like to share on this episode. This podcast is brought to you by Ask Nicely. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a five-star rating. Frontline Magic provides you with the tools, insights, and inspirational stories you need to deliver an awesome customer experience. Sign up for free and learn more on frontlinemagic.org. And thanks for making Frontline work awesome.